Another Way to Play, episode 79. It's okay to jump and try and kind of stumble along the way because you're not going to fly right away. You're going to kind of fumble a little bit and get beat up a little bit, but uh, that opportunity is there. And, and sometimes it means taking a step back in order to take those two steps forward eventually. This is Josh Lance, Managing Director of Lance CPA Group. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with our good friend, Hans Trezina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is my friend Josh Lance. He's the founder and managing director at Lance CPA Group, a virtual CPA firm that focuses on providing accounting and consulting services to craft breweries and digital agencies. Josh has a very interesting story, including having been an adjunct professor at uh, Northeastern University in Evanston, Illinois, Fairly Center of Entrepreneurship in McCormick School of Engineering, uh, and hopes, and he also is a uh, craft beer and wine enthusiast, which led to his uh, desire to serve that community. In this one, guys, we get into some really good stuff, including how he got started going out on his own and why. Uh, He talks about his uh, frustrations with um, what he was seeing, quote unquote, the way things were done and not getting a sufficient answer as to why. Uh, He then went on his own, talks about some of the ups and the downs initially. And then uh, really got into his business, got it launched kind of on take two uh, and made it a great success and ultimately why he niched himself down into craft breweries and how that actually led him to the client base of digital agencies of all things. So we get into the niche conversation pretty heavily as well, which I find to be super fascinating as someone who's looking to do that in my career as well. So before we get into that, if you get value out of this, or if you get value from any or all of the other episodes I put out, I would really appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. It means an awful lot to me. I read them all, and I try and implement the feedback that you guys give me because it really makes a difference to me as well as helps boost the algorithm a bit. So thanks in advance for that. And now, without any further ado, let's get into it with Josh Lance. Josh, thank you so much for being on the show. Very excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, we talked a little bit about what you're doing now in the intro. I gave the audience a little bit of a, a scoop into what you're doing. But, but before we get into that, because that's great stuff, let's back up though first and let's talk about where your journey actually began. Yeah, I think my, my journey actually began when I was a kid. Um, I've always had kind of an uh, entrepreneurial bent to who I am. And so when I was five years old, I, you know, I did the lemonade stand like anyone else did. But um, I wasn't satisfied with just sitting on the corner waiting for people to come to me. So I took my lemonade stand on the road and went door to door to sell lemonade. 
Um, and it was really kind of my first experience of, you know, building something, trying to create sales and to, you know, make money. And uh, that kind of led me on to, uh, you know, in college, I started a little business. This was pre-Uber pre days, uh, but it was the same kind of concept of uh, if people wanted a ride, they texted a number and I would set up appointments and come pick them up and wow. uh, take them to where they need to go. And so... Uh, again, it was just a way for me to kind of like, hey, here's an idea I have. Let's see if this works. Let's see if we can make some money. Let's have some fun doing it and, and you know, figure out all the aspects of marketing the business and getting people to find out who I am and how to, to, to use it. And, uh, and so I've always had that kind of that entrepreneurial kind of aspect of nature to me. And then uh, I you know, had the opportunity to start my own company uh, about five years ago now. And, and I've been doing that ever since. That's that's really cool. So I actually am sort of intrigued. How does one do a a, a mobile lemonade stand? Do it carefully. So what I what I did was I <laughs> I had my couple of pitchers of lemonade and a bunch of cups and a like a little red wagon, and I just walked door to door, pulled it up there, and said, "Hey, do you want lemonade?" And poured it for them right there, and and did that. And uh, it was interesting. Not many people have people come to the door to sell them lemonade, but uh, yeah. When it, gracious enough to, to buy for me when they were pressured into that situation. And so uh, it worked out all right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, so it's interesting though, because I mean, as it, sort of silly as a mobile lemonade stand, is it, you know, a young age door to door in your neighborhood? It's sort of an interesting insight into you as a person. You said right at the beginning, you didn't see enough people coming by. So you're like, well, what can I do? And then basically put the lemonade in a wagon and go take it to the people. And I think as simple of an act as that is and easy to miss, it sort of indicates that you had a mind for, for solving that business problem and trying to get in front of those customers and, you know, hopefully solve a problem that they had, I suppose. But can you talk about sort of how that has played out in different parts of your life or maybe even starting with that one? Yeah, I think for me, I'm always, I'm always curious as to like the why of something um, and, and, to, and to solve the problem around that. So you know, just with like the lemonade stand, right? I, you know, the why of, uh, you know, hey, I can sell lemonade. It's a hot summer day. People want that. Uh, but then realizing, hey, not everyone's coming to me. What if I went to them to be able to make those sales? And I think that's kind of carried me through uh, what I do now of, you know, finding what those problems are, understanding the why behind it and, and trying to find the right solution to that. And, uh, you know, even with the, you know, doing that kind of pre-Uber job and, in college where I was, you know, driving people around, it was find the solution that, hey, people need to get to the airport. There's an hour drive from the college to the airport. Let's find a way for them to do it in a cheaper way than, you know, paying the university to do it and they spend a lot of money. And so, um, you know, figuring out those issues and, and trying to find creative solutions to it. You know, I like to take those risks or try things out and see, okay, let's give us a try and see what happens and, and see what we can learn from that and then try something different. And so, uh, you know, in any of those aspects, it was really trying to figure out uh, what was kind of the best solution, why that solution makes sense, and then giving it a shot. So you're, what I heard there is you you dissect some of these problems and and try and break them down to their sort of core, and and then see then how you can a- approach this thing differently. In the, you know, whether it's driving people to the airport or, or lemonade finding these opportunities to basically look at a problem in a, in a slightly different way or figuring out what the biggest roadblock is for people or for you in some cases, and then being creative on how you solve that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, for when I, when I started my, 
uh, CPA practice. A lot of that stemmed from when I was working at a large accounting firm and asking me like, well, why are we doing it this way? Why is this the right way to do it? And, and not being satisfied with those answers that I would get. Well, that's just the way we always did it. Or I, you know, not, not really sure. And, and that kind of prompted me to think in the way of like, hey, well, if I ever had this opportunity to do it my way, how would I do it? And how would that be different than what we're currently doing it? And what are the, you know, the strengths of that, the weaknesses of that? And, uh, and now being the able opportunity to actually, you know, put forth those ideas in my own business um, and, and see if they, they work or not. And so uh, I think it's always kind of, you know, kind of being inquisitive of understanding, okay, well, why, why does this exist the way it exists? Or why are we doing this the way we're doing it? Uh, and think about the creative solutions behind that and, and, and then try it some a different way to uh, come up with something that is better or works better or is better for the client or the customer and, and going from there. In a traditional sort of nine to five or in your case, CPA engagement, there's a hierarchy, right? Like you, especially as a young person coming out of, of school, um, you get in and I'm, I feel like the, the millennial coming in asking why 10,000 times is sort of this, you know, um, stigma or this, uh, you know, like how did you sort of battle against that part of it? Because a lot of us come into a, a new environment with fresh eyes, see opportunity and then eventually get beaten down by like the bureaucracy of it or the, the sort of way of this is just the way it's done. Shut up yeah. and do your work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt, I felt that same too. Uh, you know, particularly as I was further on in my career and you asked those questions and you're not getting answers that either satisfactory or, or you thought it made sense. And, and in a lot of ways I felt like I was beating my head against the wall sometimes with, you know, say, okay, why do we, you know, why do we bill everything by the hour? Well, you know, there's this long explanation of that answer, uh, but it never really made sense. And it was always kind of related to like, well, that's how we've always done it. You know, stop asking questions and just go and do your work. And, uh, you know, I could, I could tolerate that for so long because, you know, I was young and I knew I didn't know everything. Uh, and sometimes you just have to do it and, and you know, uh, and deal with it. But after a while, it got to the point where it's, okay, I've had enough questions where, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this kind of rub of like, I don't, feel like either I, I'm being understood or I don't know what's going on uh, and felt like at that time it's okay well maybe there's a, another way to do this and I'm going to go and, and, and build my own path and see if it works and if I'm totally wrong and it blows in my face okay well then I, I learned my lesson that way but um, I, I can give that at least an opportunity or a chance to go that route and, and figure it out. Let's dig into that moment because those moments of change, I think, are, are super fascinating and where people can learn an, a, a whole lot. So yeah. you're working at this big firm. You've, you keep sort of over time asking why. You've, you've clearly done some good work as you moved up to some degree, yeah. but you couldn't get a satisfactory answer to your question. And you know, there, there are sort of two paths at that moment, which you chose the one, which is go on your own and try to do it your way, or you just kind of gripe and moan or put up with it and are just sort of dissatisfied for the next however many years, right? right. How did you decide to go out on your own? Yeah, I think, um, one, I think there was just the, I had an opportunity to do it in my life where it was like, right, if there's ever a time to do it, this is the time. Um, this was before my son was born. It was, you know, as we're starting to think about doing a family, you know, starting a family, it was like, right, this is an opportune time in my life to do, give this a shot. I think the other piece of it was, as I had kind of further thought through it and kind of further thought out my own 
path or how I would do things differently. Um, I could see the dominoes start to fall into place where it's like, okay, I, I actually think I'm on to something here. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, it was kind of a catalyst moment was um, I would travel across the country to do my job, uh, but all the work we did was all on a laptop, all using cloud-based software. And I was like, why am I traveling around doing all this? You know, spending time away from my family, spending nights in airports and hotels and, and doing that mm -hmm. type of thing when I could have done it, uh, you know, back at the office or done it in a virtual manner. Uh, and, and saw that, hey, I can actually try to do this. There's the technology exists for me to do this. If I want to do it my way, let's give that a shot. So that was a real catalyst moment for me of, one, seeing a better way to do this, not really want to travel, figuring out, you know, hey, I can do this another way. Another way was with the billable hour. Uh, you know, we would charge all our clients a fixed rate, and then we would, on the back end, have these billable hour metrics uh, that would just get beat over ahead. Where it's, you have mm -hmm. to bill so many hours for you to be fully utilized, but not so many hours that you go over budget on that job. And so you're always doing this dance of, okay, well, how can I make up the numbers to make it right? And you know everyone else is doing that same dance, and you're getting bad data from all over the place. And so it's like, well, why am I doing this? Why am I spending all my effort trying to control hours and put things in different buckets when it didn't matter how we build our client, they're going to build the same amount. It didn't really matter, you know, from an output standpoint of how I did my job. I'm still getting the job done, uh, you know, on time and, and it's a satisfaction of the client. And so it's like, yeah, I'm spending lots of time doing things that add no value. Why am I doing this? Is there another way I can go about doing this? Uh, where I could just avoid that completely and, and still, you know, achieve the same result. Uh, and I was able so to do that when I started my own company and that, that worked out really well. It sounds like there was this intersection of like this moment in life where your sort of expenses and your obligations and your freedom were sort of at, a, at an optimal point to take a risk like that, as well as on the other side of this, like there was just a high level of sort of frustration and, and uh, maybe an opportunity that you saw for an inefficiency in, in the way things were currently done so that you could move through the world and, or move into a new version of that and hopefully uh, solve for that inefficiency. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, having those both aligned at kind of the same time was helpful and that's not always a perfect case scenario. Um, but at least in my, in, in the path I was taking that end up aligning at the kind of same time frame, uh, And I knew I could make the jump and, and take that risk and, and see if it worked out or not. And, and maybe it wouldn't, and maybe I would learn my hard lesson that way, or, or maybe it would. And it was able to, um, really just have the opportunity to do what I wanted to do and, and have that freedom to try, uh, which is, uh, which is really helpful and beneficial because I think uh, not everyone always has that opportunity, that freedom, uh, but when it does come up the, to do it, that you, you take, uh, take that opportunity and, and run with it. And when you did, like as we all know, when you go take a jump and, and work on your, go, go leave the nest, so to speak, there's always going to be a, a challenge or a setback or stuff that you didn't expect. If someone is sort of thinking about doing their own version of what you've done, um, what advice might you give them to sort of potentially try and smooth out their transition and their path into that world? I think the advice I'd give them was kind of really comes from my experience of when I first started to try to do this, um, there was that excitement uh, behind it. Uh, but then there's not always that revenue that follows that excitement. And so when I first tried, it was this kind of scariness of, okay, well, what am I, you know, am I making 
a risk I shouldn't take and tried it for three months. And then I had this opportunity to kind of go back into what I was doing a bit before. And I um, actually took that opportunity uh, to my, maybe a little bit to my detriment, but it was also a chance for me to, you know, kind of get a taste of what it was like for that freedom and then mm-hmm. jump back into the, the, the traditional role. And then after a couple of months realizing, okay, that's actually not the right role for me. And then I jumped back in uh, to, to run in and, and do my own thing at that point. Um, and so I think it's okay to jump and try and, and kind of stumble along the way uh, because you're not going to fly right away. You're going to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, fumble a little bit and uh, get beat up a little bit, but uh, that opportunity is there. And, and sometimes it means taking a step back uh, in order to take those two steps forward eventually. Uh, and, uh, and that's kind of what happened in my case was, was I had to take that step back for a couple months, kind of regroup and then jump out again and try. And once I was able to regroup and do that, it, then it worked. And then things started falling into place and the, the revenue started coming in. I was making sales and working with people and I was starting to be able to build a team. Uh, and, and then things started to fall in, in place. Um, but there was that kind of that first, I would say, nine-month period where it was kind of a, it was rough going and it, there was a lot of stumbles and falls. But uh, without those stumbles and falls, I wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing right now. I needed that experience of kind of failing off the bat to be able mm-hmm. to have the success I have uh, now. Can you dig a little deeper for us on one of those initial stumbles or fails, as you called it, and then what you learned from it and why you're glad it happened? Yeah, so I think one of my initial stumbles was kind of taking on too big of projects early on uh, that kind of sucked up all my time and gave me the opportunity to learn different things about my business. Um, you know, so I, I took on a project, literally, you know, started my company, took on this big project, uh, which was great from a revenue perspective, but it, it didn't help me learn right? How do I actually sell and continue to sell over and over again? How do I, um, you know, kind of market for the long term? Uh, and so when that project ended after three months, there was this panic of, okay, what do I have now? And I didn't really set myself up to have that, that next project line up and that next client mm-hmm. line up. Um, and I, I focused too much on doing the work versus kind of building the business. Uh, and that was kind of to my detriment where then it was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Um, and, and so learning from that aspect uh, and really learning to not only build a business and get the work done, but also actually spend time on the business and making sure that I'm spending time on doing all the aspects that need to be done is, is beneficial. And that stuff takes work and it's not stuff that's going to earn you money right now, but it earns you money in the long term. Uh, and that's not something I learned right off the bat. But after having that kind of stumble and realizing that, then I kind of knew what I needed to do going forward. That's awesome, man. Uh, thank you for sharing that and going a little deeper there. So your business today, um, you go on your website and you check it out and it's not the typical accounting website. And then you keep scrolling down a little bit and you see a section that says who we serve. It says creative artisans, digital agencies, and craft breweries. Like that's a really interesting niche that you've sort of found yourself in. And, and I used to sell beer, so I'm in a, in a craft beer lover for sure. So I'm curious, like, how did you get into that niche and, um, and why? Yeah. So on the craft beer side, you know, I had, I had experience doing home brewing, home winemaking. So I enjoyed the craft of being able to take a bunch of raw ingredients and come up with something that's really tasty to drink. Uh, and so I had a kind of passion for the industry and the passion for the craft of what, uh, of what we did. Um, and so when I started the firm and I started really to kind of focus in on, okay, I'm not just going to serve any single person who comes to my door and willing to pay me money, but 
uh, specific clientele of people I can serve and, and serve with an expertise. Um, craft breweries was the first on that list. I knew the industry. Uh, I knew, especially as all these breweries started opening up, uh, I knew kind of struggles they were going through and, and the passion that they had, and, and I knew I could be able to help them. Uh, and so I was able to take that kind of passion I had uh, in just my personal life for something and, and really be able to hone that in to be able to serve an audience as a result. And I think that's really served us really well, being very focused on who we work with um, mm-hmm. because we gain that subject matter expertise. We know, uh, have connections really deep in that industry, uh, connections and expertise on everything that happens within an industry. And so we can serve a craft brewery as an accountant much better than just an accountant who serves anyone. Uh, because we know so much about what's going on in the industry and, and are able to apply that expertise to those clients and, and provide not just accounting services, but then uh, strategic advising services as well uh, to better ha- have them have a, a better craft brewery as a result. The, the concept of niching down is something that a lot of people talk about, especially in the marketing world, but obviously just who you serve, um, the messaging that you put out, all of that sort of stuff, Right. In when you decided to put, for example, craft breweries on your website, were you concerned that you were sort of effectively saying no to basically everybody else? And, and then what, what did you find as a result once you got really niched into that industry? Um, yeah. So yeah, there was a concern, especially early on that we're saying yes to only certain set of clients and say no to a bunch of people, like how are we actually going to survive as a business here? Um, and it did take a, you know, taking time to niche and really focusing on an industry, uh, you know, took kind of, it was kind of a long game into trying to build the clientele we want to serve and uh, work with the people we want to work. Uh, but what that's really enabled us to do is be known as experts in that field. Um, that kind of carry on effect is people in that industry know who we are. They can refer to us and, and understand what we can do for those types of clients. Uh, and it's very much then, from a sales standpoint, a much easier sell at that point because mm-hmm. they already know our expertise. Now it's just a matter, are we the right fit for them or not? Um, and so that, you know, taking that, that really specific strategy of who we serve um, has really served us well, but it takes a long time to kind of build that up. It's not just a, let's plug on the lights and we're going to start serving wineries and all these wineries are going to run to our door. It was a right. uh, an aspect of you know getting our name out there, attending industry events, uh, writing blog articles, becoming subject matter expertise, uh, you know, speaking at events, and, and that really started to build that you know this is really who we are. We're not just putting craft breweries on a website to hope that get some of those clients, but that's actually who we serve, and that's who we can serve really well. And as a result of, of the content creation and the just really immersing yourself in that industry, have you found that you've really repelled other people or have other f- folks outside of that craft brewing world found you and said, hey, I kind of like what you're doing for these guys. Can you do it for us too? Yeah, I mean, we've, we definitely, it, it helps repel people. Um, but the kind of story behind us working with digital agencies was from the impact of um, people came to our website, saw that, hey, this doesn't look like a normal accounting website, um, saw what we're doing in the craft beer industry and said, hey, like, you have a pretty good grasp of, um, you know, how to market yourself and how digital agencies work. Um, maybe you can start serving us. And so um, it took a few of them to come to our door that say, hey, maybe we have something here uh, that could work for them. Um, because the reality is those are really two disparate industries, but right. both industries are headed by people who are very creative. 
Um, mm-hmm. Being the owner of the craft brewery, you have to be very creative on the type of styles of beer you create and, and how you market that out. And same thing being the digital agency and, and, and having really creative people uh, lead in those places. And so there was that synergy that really kind of happened from there. Um, they're very similar type people who run those two. And so we can serve uh, two different industries, but serve them really well because of the people who we work with uh, in those industries. And I love that you just drew that bridge between both of those types of industries are led by creatives. And that is a really interesting sort of connection, connecting thing, building a bridge to those, those two groups, because most people would say those things have absolutely nothing to do with each other. But as someone who probably looks at their financials and their strategies and all that stuff, you're like, you know, you guys are kind of the same, except for you just make beer or you make, you know, something digital to go on my iPhone or my whatever. And, and I love the story just in general, like a couple of them came to you and said, Hey, we like the way you're, you're doing it this way. Could you also do it for us? And, and I've heard that so many times in stories of people who have successfully niched down into a world like that. And, uh, and then it ultimately like you go small to go big, right. And you've, you've gone bigger than the craft brewing industry because of that. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was it was something that was kind of, we didn't expect either. Um, but we, we saw that opportunity that existed as a result of that and we're able to say, hey, let's actually, let's focus on that industry um, because I think we can do something there. And that's, that's worked out to our benefit. Um, sometimes it's very easy to put the blinders on and just chew in the weeds in one area. And we're able to kind of step back and say, you have some overlap here, particularly with the owners. Uh, when we saw that uh, they were very similar nature type people, it was like, hey, this made sense to have a second niche uh, and it'd be something totally different than what we're doing, but it, it made sense for who we are and how we want to serve our clients. That's really fantastic advice, man. Thank you. Thank you for kind of digging in with me on that. I've got a whole bunch of different questions, but I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, like you really went out and started, uh, you, you eventually, you had a, some stumbles along the way. You took a step back, you got back into it, you got into the craft beer, then to the digital agency world. If you had to start over again today, knowing everything that you know, but you had started over with $500 and an iPhone, how would you go about that? You know what? I would, I don't know if I would change much of anything or do anything differently. Um, I think the only thing I would really change is... um, spending more time marketing the business and spending more time trying to build the business and not be the person inside the business doing all the work. So like the first year and a half or so, it was just me. Um, so not only was I selling everything, but then I had to deliver the services. Um, mm-hmm. And if I had to do it over again, I would have probably hired earlier, brought some other people on to actually deliver the services and spent more time selling and, and building the business. Uh, there was that kind of inflection point where I was getting too busy doing the service uh, not spend any time on the business. And then that started to suffer a bit. So I eventually made the move to hire, but I would probably have done that probably much earlier on the game um, just because that gave me more flexibility to uh, really build the business and, and not have to, um, you know, kind of feel like, you know, those first couple of years I was kind of running behind a bit. Yeah. There's a couple of uh, books that are coming to mind is one is the E-Myth and going from the solopreneur to the business owner to, I don't remember the exact names, but what you're talking about is like you were delivering the services, you were securing the accounts, you were bookkeeping, you were doing all the things, right? Mm-hmm. We were basically a solopreneur at that point, just trying to like, you know, go to the next project so you could, you could pay your rent or pay your mortgage or whatever. Exactly. Um, and then, so what you're talking about is, is trying to move through that progression 
a little faster. Um, and probably I'm sure the first time it was super scary to hire somebody and not know where to go. And if you could support that person, but you know, when you took that leap of faith, you clearly were able to do it. And and here you are. The other book I'm reading right now is uh, by Gary Keller called shift, Mm -hmm. which he wrote in 2009. And it's definitely geared towards the real estate industry, but the advice I think goes beyond that he's like got seven steps of things you have to do in a shifting market. And we're recording this on March 24th, which we are right smack in the middle of this coronavirus uh, pandemic. And uh, certainly in some kind of a shifting market, although none of us know what it is, but he talks about getting lean on your expenses. And when you do spend money, make sure you're getting a, a return on it and be sort of ruthless with that. And then make sure you double down on your lead generation, you know, whatever that means. And those were like the number one and number two things that he said to do to, to prepare for a shifting market. And I'm seeing that as like, that's what you sort of said without the shifting market component is like double down on that business building, working on not in the business stuff. Yeah. And the E-Myth book was something that helped me clarify that too. When I was, uh, I read that, you know, I was about a year into the business and read that book and it was like, there was that kind of light bulb moment as you read that book. To say, okay, I now I, I didn't know I needed to do, and now I just have to execute on that. Um, so that was a really great book for that. Another book was that kind of helped me clarify things was a book called Rework, uh, which was by uh, the guys who started Basecamp, uh, um, and uh, they had a lot of good thoughts about how you about working differently and trying different work models and and not just doing what your industry has always done in the past. And so that was another really clarifying, uh, clarifying book for me and kind of uh, assessing how I need to grow my business. Which is clearly something that resonated with you because you did that in your own life. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, well, speaking of books and, and I also want to respect the rest of your day here. Um, but we are getting to the end of the time. So I want to, uh, transition us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. And the first question is, what book have you gifted most often? I think right now the one I've done is, uh, it's also again by the Basecamp guys uh, called it Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, um, is really kind of setting the idea of like, work doesn't have to own your entire life, but there's, there's a time for work and a time for rest and, and making sure that it's not only something you espouse, but you actually push through to um, the people that you work with and the people that uh, uh, trust you uh, and they kind of look to see your guidance and how you live your life. Um, and so that's been a great book that I um, highly recommend and I usually gift to the people um, uh, as I go along. So that's a, an excellent book. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask you as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? I would probably say my grandpa. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, he, he passed away when I was a, a little bit younger. Um, but he fought in World War II. He had, I mean, just the, the talk about his experience doing that, because that's, you know, the kind of grow up and then to go off and fight overseas in the war for an extended period of time and what that was like because he kind of grew up. And he was also kind of entrepreneurial like myself. So um, just to kind of pick his brain, you know, now that I've started my own business, what it was like when he started his own business back in the day. And so uh, that would probably be the person that I would uh, uh, take time to spend and talk with. What is one thing you believe that most people would disagree with you on? You know, I believe that, I guess I think that, you know, particularly in my industry, it's um, less is more. Uh, You don't have to work as much to, you know, get what you need. Uh, 
particularly in the accounting industry, it's, it's very driven by, uh, I make money by the hours I put into it, uh, mm-hmm. and not by the output of the work. And so, um, and so you have a lot of traditional accountants who will bill everything by the hour and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time and actually not gather the value that they uh, provide mm-hmm. to their clients as a result. And so, um, you know, when I, when I talk to my fellow accountants, that's always the thing that is the, uh, the thing that I, I bring up and that they don't necessarily buy, but uh, uh, that that would be it. Awesome. Uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? <laughs> uh, I start my day when my son comes into my bedroom and wakes me up to get breakfast. Um, so that's always a jar and something that happens at like 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, but usually I start my day uh, by having breakfast, uh, taking some time to drink a cup of coffee. Um, I work from home uh, and do everything virtually, so I don't have a commute or anything like that. So kind of my commute time is uh, to read a book or to read an article, drink some coffee, kind of ease into my day uh, and then and start my work uh, from there. So that's usually my, my start of my days. Yeah. Right on. Well, Josh, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, what is the best place that the audience can connect with you online? Uh, best place to be on Twitter at LanceJD1, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn as well, uh, Joshua Lance CPA. Um, you can just Google that and you'll, you'll find me there on LinkedIn. Both uh, LinkedIn and Twitter profiles will be linked down in the show notes as well as uh, Josh's uh, URL, which is lancecpa.com. We'll have all of that down there so you can go check out uh, what his website looks like because he's right. I'm looking at it right now. It is not a typical CPA website. You know, I'll have his social profiles as well there so you can connect one-on-one that way. You've been awesome, man. I really appreciate you being on to the show today and uh, best of luck to you and, and, and thank you for taking some time with us. Awesome. Thanks. It's been a blast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Really appreciate uh, you checking out the episode. Hopefully you got value from Josh. If you wanted to connect with him, LanceCPA.com is the place to do that as well as uh, his LinkedIn or his Twitter if you want to get one-on-one with him. I've got all of that down in the show notes, so take a look down there. And I would love to keep connecting with you guys uh, individually as well. So if you want to connect with me, go all the way down into the bottom of the show notes. I've got my Calendly link down there. You can find me, uh, get a time on my calendar. We can connect and get to know each other just a little bit better. Uh, So thanks in advance for all of that. And I'm going to sign it off. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.